a young perspective on hot-button issues around the world. This is The Hub. Hello and welcome to The Hub on CGTN. I'm Wang Guan from Astana, Kazakhstan, and welcome to the program. Now, with the first China-Central Asia summit around the corner, many analysts say that the relations between China and Central Asia, including Kazakhstan, are moving closer, not just economically, but strategically too. Today, I'll be talking to the Chinese ambassador to Kazakhstan to get his take on China-Kazakhstan relations and the evolving geopolitical landscape in the region. Um, ambassador John, it is an honor to have you with us. Welcome to the Hub on CGTN. Ambassador John, it looks like China and Central Asia cooperation uh, are entering a new a chapter, if you will. Uh, a video summit was held last January. Uh, the five Central Asian leaders attended the opening of Beijing Winter Olympics, the five of them appearing um, in the stadium. It's quite a spectacle. And also uh, this first ever China-Central Asia summit to be held in May in China. What are your comments on China-Central Asia cooperation? And in particular, how do you look at the importance of the first ever China-Central Asia summit? The China-Central Asia Summit is an initiative proposed by China that began two years ago. China has consistently maintained that China and the five Central Asian countries share a common history, similar cultural customs and shared pursuits. There is a strong desire among the people of China and the five Central Asian countries to further strengthen their cooperation. This cooperation can enhance mutual trust and mutual benefits and help us jointly respond to various current international and regional threats and challenges. This year's summit is held in China and marks the first in-person meeting, and the heads of state from China and the five Central Asian countries will be discussing common threats and challenges facing the region as well as opportunities and advantages. The goal is to create an open, friendly and enabling platform for exchange and communication that will elevate our mutual relations to a new level. This initiative is a shining example of China's major country diplomacy with Chinese characteristics in the new era. It will effectively promote the development of China-Central Asia relations, further strengthen mutual trust and mutually beneficial cooperation, and promote the joint development of the Belt and Road Initiative. The BRI has become an extremely popular and effective cooperation project in the region, particularly among the five Central Asian countries. Therefore, I believe that the first China-Central Asia summit will significantly contribute to the high-quality development of the BRI with Central Asian countries. It looks like China and Central Asia are moving closer together, not just economically in terms of trade and investment, but also when it comes to uh, strategic cooperation, political trust, and people-to-people -people exchange. Uh, for example, President uh, Tokayev yesterday um, spoke very fondly of uh, Dimash. Dimash. Um, he's very happy about the fact Dimash uh, found his fame uh, in China and then gained worldwide popularity. Um, is it your sense too that China and Central Asia are moving closer together uh, in all fronts, strategically, culturally, and economically? Yes. Over the past 30 years, China's diplomatic relations with the five Central Asian countries, starting from scratch, have continued to develop and made significant strides, particularly in the case of China and Kazakhstan. 
Since the establishment of diplomatic ties, the two countries have developed a cooperative relationship based on good neighborliness and friendship. In 2002, China and Kazakhstan signed the Treaty of Good Neighborliness and Friendly Cooperation, ushering in a new stage in their bilateral relations. Subsequently, China and Kazakhstan decided to establish a comprehensive strategic partnership, marking a major breakthrough in the positioning of their relationship. In 2019, during President Tokayev's first state visit to China after taking office, the two sides decided to elevate this partnership to a permanent comprehensive strategic partnership, which was unprecedented in China's diplomatic practice. It also marked the first time that China established such a permanent relationship with another country. The permanent comprehensive strategic partnership reflects the strong commitment of both sides to advance their relationship and deepen mutual trust and establish a permanent cooperative relationship. It also shows that China and Kazakhstan hope to develop a permanent cooperative relationship. The two countries aspire to be friends and partners forever and maintain and develop this friendly cooperative relationship with great determination and unwavering confidence. This strong desire and confidence have enabled bilateral relations to achieve continued success over the years. It's worth noting that Kazakhstan plays a special and crucial role in the joint construction of the Belt and Road Initiative. Ten years ago, it was in Kazakhstan that President Xi Jinping first proposed the Belt and Road Initiative. I believe it's not by accident that President Xi chose Kazakhstan as the birthplace of the Belt and Road Initiative. Kazakhstan actively participates in the development process of the BRI and has gained tremendous benefits from it. It can be said that the Belt and Road Initiative has brought real benefits to the people of China and Kazakhstan. At the onset of our diplomatic relations, the trade volume between China and Kazakhstan was only slightly over 200 million US dollars in 1992 or 1993. Today, the trade between the two countries exceeds 30 billion US dollars, an increase of 70 times. Ten years ago, Kazakhstan was just a landlocked country and barely known in the world. But today, thanks to the Belt and Road Initiative, it has become a very important transportation hub on the Eurasian continent. As a transit country for the BRI, Kazakhstan's transit potential has been unprecedentedly released. Therefore, when we talk about the Belt and Road Initiative, the China-Europe Railway Express and the Eurasian Land Bridge, we cannot ignore Kazakhstan, an important hub on this route. Of course, Kazakhstan has also gained huge benefits from this process, gaining many jobs for its people, building a large number of infrastructure facilities, increasing physical revenue and expanding its reputation. Therefore, the high-quality development of the Belt and Road Initiative has injected new impetus into China-Kazakhstan relations. Therefore, the prospects of future development of China-Kazakhstan relations are extremely broad. And in what areas and sectors and industries do you think China and Kazakhstan can cooperate further? And really, what do you think of the importance of China-Kazakhstan cooperation in elevating uh, the quality of the Belt and Road Initiative? Initiative? 
You're correct. The relationship between China and Kazakhstan serves as an exemplary state-to-state -state relationship in many ways. Their cooperation under the Belt and Road Initiative is not limited to economic and trade cooperation. It extends to cultural fields, which has been very productive for both countries. There are now five Confucius Institutes in Kazakhstan. Both countries are exploring the possibility of establishing cultural centers, which shows the growing interest of Kazakh people, especially the younger generation, in Chinese language and culture. This strong enthusiasm for Chinese language and culture is evident throughout Kazakhstan. In the near future, both sides are planning to establish Luban workshops to provide the necessary skills and knowledge to young people in Kazakhstan to pursue their careers. Go a long way in helping uh, Kazakhstan's economy and society and in turning out more skilled workers. You're absolutely right. Currently, China and Kazakhstan are engaged in capacity cooperation with a focus on jointly building a large number of modern enterprises with advanced levels in modern industry, processing and manufacturing in Kazakhstan. All of these projects will require a significant number of technical talent. In addition to cooperation between China and Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan itself is also developing its industrialization with its own manufacturing, industrial, agricultural sectors, as well as other fields. The country also needs a large number of technical talent. Kazakhstan has also expressed its hope for us to strengthen cooperation in this regard, and we responded positively. Therefore, the Luban workshop project will greatly promote the cooperation between the two sides in the field of vocational and technical exchanges. At the same time, it will also boost the capacity cooperation between the two countries and cultivate reserve technical talent for Kazakhstan's own industrialization. Ambassador Zhang, we know that China and Kazakhstan uh, are also conducting uh, multilateral cooperations. They're important partners on the global stage uh, through SCO, through the Belt and Road Initiative, a number of initiatives globally. Um, how do you look at the merits and the, the quality of bilateral cooperation and multilateral cooperation through the framework of China and Kazakhstan uh, bilateral ties? China the cooperation between China and Kazakhstan on the international stage and in multilateral fields has always been highly effective, maintaining a close collaboration. This stems from the highly consistent and similar stances and views of both sides on a series of major international and regional issues. For example, we both oppose hegemonism, support globalization, advocate democratization of international relations, oppose interference in the internal affairs of other countries, and strongly condemn all forms of terrorism and support the fight against the three evil forces, namely terrorism, separatism and extremism, which are active in the region. The cooperation between China and Kazakhstan on the international stage is built upon a strong political foundation. As a result, both sides maintain close collaboration in various critical international organizations and platforms, including the United Nations, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, the Conference on Interaction and Confidence-Building Measures in Asia, and others. Additionally, both countries maintain close communication and coordination within the framework of the United Nations Human Rights Council.
It is due to the fact that both sides oppose using human rights as a pretext to interfere in the internal affairs of sovereign countries, and both oppose blaming and threatening others on human rights issues. Instead, we advocate following the human rights path that suits our own national conditions and implementing a human rights policy that conforms to our own people's interests. We both stand against foreign bullying and hegemony. Therefore, both sides have also developed very good and highly efficient cooperation in the field of international human rights, and this cooperation undoubtedly maximizes the protection of the major interests of both sides on the international stage. Ambassador Zhang during our interview with President Tokayev, um, he said uh, very firmly that he rejects Taiwan independence, and he said the Chinese on the mainland and the Chinese living on the island of Taiwan are both Chinese. And one day, they must re reunify. Uh, what do you think of that? It is no surprising at all. Kazakhstan has been firmly committed to the One China principle, which states that Taiwan is an inalienable part of China's territory and that the government of the People's Republic of China is the only legitimate government representing the whole of China. In all political documents, declarations, agreements and treaties signed between China and Kazakhstan since the establishment of diplomatic relations in 1992, spanning over 30 years. Kazakhstan has also committed not to maintain or develop any official contacts with Taiwan. Therefore, it's not surprising. After last year's visit by U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to Taiwan, Kazakhstan officially condemned her visit and expressed its political support for China. We highly appreciate Kazakhstan's stance on this matter. Thank you, Ambassador. In the course of 10 years of development, the Belt and Road Initiative has not only become an effective cooperation project in Central Asia, but it has also become a mega-project that has ripple effects around the world. Recently, I had a very interesting conversation with Mr. Aksan Akbar, Minister of Planning, Development and Special Initiatives of Pakistan. We talk about China-Pakistan economic corridor and allegations from the West of BRI being debt trap. Some of his answers are quite remarkable. Minister Ball, welcome back to China. I had the pleasure of visiting your country in 2011. What is it like now? Well, it has changed very much. Uh, Gawadar has now developed in uh, infrastructure and its facilities is becoming now a, a modern port city. And we hope that in years to come, it will really become a very smart uh, port city and center of trade and commerce in the region. Uh, China is helping us develop Gawadar as a port city. Uh, we have now a free zone in which Chinese companies are investing and we hope that there will be a lot of uh, activity there from that industrial zone. I heard that the eventual goal would be to make Gwadar a hub of commerce, trade and commercial activities, not just between China and Pakistan, but throughout the region and even the world. Well, Gwadar has a very strategic location. If you look at Pakistan, uh, west of Pakistan, there is Central Asia. All the Central Asian republics are landlocked and they look towards Gawadar as their gateway to the rest of the world. And with China-Pakistan economic corridor also terminating or starting at Gawadar, uh, Gawadar becomes a natural extension uh, for CPAC, China-Pakistan economic corridor extension to Middle East, to Africa, to Europe. And <clears throat> in future, uh, through Gawadar, the goods can be shipped to China in almost uh, less than one-tenth the time and distance 
that takes goods to go from the South China Sea uh, by sea route. So that way, I think Gwadar is the port of the future. Talking about opposition to CPAC, uh, many media around the world have cast it as uh, portrayed it as a debt trap and as China's geopolitical and geoeconomic uh, ambition to control the world. Um, how do you see it? I think first of all, I would say that Belt and Road Initiative is a great vision of China and President Xi and it comes from the values of East. In East, we cherish the value of sharing. I think this is a remarkable uh, initiative where China, which has achieved remarkable success in last few decades, which has uplifted 800 million people out of poverty and today has given its people a very respectable quality of life, is today heading or leading the march to be a developed country. China chose to share its success with other countries. China was not obligated to share its success because uh, China had not uh, done war with other countries where uh, if there was a Marshall Plan, it came out of the destruction of World War II. So China did not uh, wage any war against anyone. Uh, China did not owe anything to anyone that it must share its success with other countries. But as I said, it comes from the values that we have in East uh, or the China uh, leadership, uh, President Xi, uh, I think out of his great uh, vision, uh, he had this idea that let this be a win-win for other countries also. If China is succeeding, we must share our success with, with other countries and we must share it as a community of shared prosperity and, uh, you know, uh, humanity. So that way, I think this is a great initiative. It has, it has helped many countries uh, get very critical investment which it needed to plug the gaps in its socio-economic infrastructure, just as I mentioned in Pakistan. Now, there is this, you know, uh, perception which was built, it is a debt trap. I don't see it is a debt trap. I think it is a fact trap uh, to distort uh, the true spirit of uh, BRI and the true dividends of BRI that people have uh, gotten. There is now even research by some uh, John Hopkins scholar. My alma mater. Uh, which says that uh, uh, the uh, studies on Sri Lanka do not substantiate that the economic crisis in Sri Lanka had to do anything with Chinese port project or, you know, Chinese uh, loan or anything. So these are stories which are made to create negative perceptions uh, in a global geopolitics of competition. But I would say that wherever BRI has gone, the local people there can testify that it has had very positive impact. It has provided them much needed infrastructure, uh, which has been the backbone of their economic development. Minister, we've heard so much about CPAC and about the road initiative. Some reports highlight its achievements, singing praises. Uh, some reports highlight the underperforming or delayed projects. Can you give us a comprehensive assessment of where is CPAC now? Uh, CPAC started on 5th of July 2013 when Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif visited Beijing and MOU was signed. 
and I had the honor and distinction of signing the MOU on Pakistan's behalf. It was a piece of paper, but within a very short span of time, both sides worked out a portfolio of $46 billion of projects to be carried out under CPAC. Uh, CPAC envisaged to first and foremost help Pakistan overcome its energy crisis. In 2013, we were facing a terrible energy crisis with 16 to 18 hours of power shortages. I experienced that when I was yeah, there. So uh, CPAC helped us put up more than 5,500 megawatts of energy. Similarly, through CPAC, we developed modern transport infrastructure, motorways, highways, that has helped Pakistan develop a modern logistic base for trade and commerce and also to improve its competitiveness by making the movement of goods and services faster. Third, CPEC also helped us develop in a fiber optic cable from China that actually now forms an information highway between Pakistan and China and provides a backbone to our digital infrastructure. Third is industrial cooperation in which uh, now under CPEC we are envisaging development of several special economic zones and many Chinese companies are relocating <clears throat> to Pakistan because we have low cost of production. Uh, the cost of human resources is much less than now what is in China or many other countries. And besides, Pakistan has fairly good trained human resource and a modern infrastructure to support business operations. So CPAC in last 10 years has really given Pakistan great opportunity in areas of energy, infrastructure, telecommunication, uh, industrial cooperation. And what I would say is that it has also helped Pakistan unlock some of its hidden treasures. For example, in Thar, Pakistan had a coal deposit uh, which is <clears throat> whose energy value is uh, almost equivalent to Iran and Saudi Arabia's oil. But we could not extract any value from this deposit because neither we had financing to do the mining nor we had the technology to produce energy. So through CPAC we got very environment friendly technology. We were able to do mining and put up power plants. Now this is the cheapest source of power for Pakistan for next 400 years. So it is such a big resource which was hidden, which was not utilized at all because there was no capital or technology to make it productive asset for the country, but CPAC made it happen for Pakistan. So in many ways, CPAC has been very transformational. It has created many jobs. It has had impact on people's lives. So we really appreciate leadership of China for extending a Belt and Road Initiative to Pakistan in shape of China-Pakistan Economic Corridor. For sure, um, a full of promises, uh, Minister, but as you understand, uh, there are challenges as well. According to CPAC's authorities, a website tracking the progress of all the projects that you have described. Um, there are different stages of progress going on, for example, in transport. Six out of the 24 projects have been completed. Of course, many others are still being constructed. In energy sector, 12 out of 21 are done. In Gwadar port, 4 out of 14. Of course, given the scope of this project, it's only natural that some projects are still being reviewed, uh, under construction. Uh, it may take a decade to build a road. Uh, we all understand that. 
Um, how satisfied are you about the progress so far? Well, uh, under CPAC during 2013 to 2018, during our previous tenure of government, we saw unprecedented uh, progress. There was very fast uh, implementation of the projects. But in 2018, unfortunately, there was a political change in Pakistan in government. The new government did not own CPAC uh, as strongly and were very inexperienced. So they could not keep that momentum on CPAC. So we lost some time. But now since April when there is a new government in Pakistan, the same uh, party is back, which was there 2013-18 in power. Prime Minister Shabazz Sharif, who was previously Chief Minister of Punjab and very active supporter of CPAC, he is now personally supervising the progress and implementation of CPAC projects. I am also back in my role to uh, supervise CPEC projects. We are now working day and night to revive the same momentum and speed behind CPEC. Now CPEC, we must understand, is not a short-term or a medium-term project. It's a long-term project. It has three phases. The first phase was 2014 to 2020. That largely focused on infrastructure bottlenecks in Pakistan. The second phase, 2020 to 2025, uh, focuses on industrial cooperation, establishing linkages between private sector of two countries, business to business linkages, helping uh, industries to relocate to Pakistan and take advantage of this corridor. And third uh, phase 25 to 2030 looks at the broader regional linkages, uh, expanding the scope of CPAC to Central Asia, to South Asia and linking China and other regions of the world. So that way it is much broader regional framework in its scope instead of just a bilateral program. And that is what President Xi also referred to when he addressed Parliament of Pakistan during his visit in 2015 that CPAC will benefit not just Pakistan but the entire South Asia. Minister, um, any final thoughts on China-Pakistan relations going forward finally? Well, I think China-Pakistan relations are now, as I told you, that we are celebrating decade of China-Pakistan economic corridor. And I think now the best path of this Pakistan-China relationship is, it is being now transferred to the next generation. We have more than 25,000 students and a growing body of Pakistani students who are studying in Chinese universities and benefiting from the progress that China has made in higher education. I think these young Pakistanis will be the true ambassadors of Pakistan-China friendship and they will be the bridge for future to connect our society, to connect our businesses. And I hope likewise more Chinese youth can visit Pakistan and go to our universities. We have more exchange programs because the spirit of Pakistan-China Iron Brotherhood must carry on from one generation to another generation. That will do it for this edition of The Hub on CGTN. Thank you so much for tuning in. Our news coverage continues on CGTN. Bye and take care.